Well, good morning. Good to see you. Well, as you just listen to Dan and you think about just what's happening in this season, what might be happening in your heart or what you just opened up yourself to God to in terms of uh, your own surrender and... um, it's amazing the things that we're learning in this season. Uh, as a church, as a staff, and just uh, Dan talked about watching folks uh, just be drawn to a hunger or, or be drawn to um, God's presence through prayer. And, and so some of the things that are happening is we're becoming a listening people. In other words, we're listening to what God might have to say and and uh, we're, we're becoming a storytelling people to, to be able to say, okay, here are the things that God's saying to me, and, uh, and here's how I want to tell the story of that encounter. And so you may be here this morning, and as you listen to Dan or even just listen to the things that I might be saying, you say, boy, I, I'm not even sure about this talking to God business or the fact that he actually talks back to us. Uh, well, here's the reality. We're hardwired actually to have a conversation with God. He's made us in such a way that, that we can have that conversation with him, and he'll actually talk to us. Uh, he, he does it through uh, the Bible. That's why we do that midweek course. He does it by his Holy Spirit, which, by the way, the word pneuma, uh, you might think of like pneumonia, right? There's this breadth. It's the, it's the breadth of God. It's the breadth of the Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Breath. Um, and, and so even as I utter, the Holy Spirit can help me to have this breath to have conversation with God, and he actually speaks back to me. You ever had one of those conversations with a close talker? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you're right up close, and you can smell lunch, <laughs> but you can feel their breath, right? You feel the breath? I mean, we, we, so we know what it is to kind of have conversation. You have the, the, slow, or the slow talker. You, you familiar with this, the slow or the with a high talker. You've got different talkers, right? I just pulled that from a Seinfeld, I mean, just moments ago, so you might remember. That's, I've got to give credit where credit's due. All right, back to the Holy Spirit. Seinfeld, Holy Spirit. Hmm. I like Seinfeld, too. Okay, short story. I had a guy one time say, after six months of listening to me speak, he said, I remind you of Jerry Seinfeld. He said, you remind me of Jerry Seinfeld. And I just had a dream the night before that we were brothers and I, and I thought, I've been watching too much Seinfeld episodes. I have to pull the plug. But the reality is, is we actually become like that which we saturate our life with. And so we want to saturate our life with the kingdom of God, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit, with conversation with God. That, that's why we're here, is, is to learn of, of this Jesus. And so we're talking about this threshold series over the next several weeks. And, and threshold, it's that, and you're familiar with what a threshold is, it's that, that sturdy place that is the go-between a one place to another place. And so the most common one for you and I might be like the threshold of the front door to our home. So whether you have an apartment or a dorm uh, or your, your own house or your rent, there's this threshold and it, it is actually that, that space between one environment to the next. So, you know, we wake up in the morning and, um, and we, we leave kind of the safety of our home. We cross the threshold and we go into the environment of the rest of the day. Or after a tough day or a cold day, we cross our threshold into the warmth of our, of our own home. 
Well, here's what I want to do. I want to tell you a story. Um, it's, a, it's a story of my childhood uh, going across the threshold and uh, going to a magical place. Now, you, you have your magical places. How many of you, as, when I say magical place, you already think of a place? Raise your hand real quick. Yeah? Uh, how many of you, it's like Disneyland? Okay, a couple of you. How, how many, it's like the ocean? Yeah? Uh, how, how many of you, it's like um, the mountains? Yes, number of you. How many of you, it's like grandma and grandpa's house? Am I the only one? Okay, we got one. Good, good, good. Well, we're going to go to grandma and grandpa's house. And for me, I lived in Boston, 12-year-old, uh, kind of an, uh, an ordinary life in Boston. Uh, and when I transported from Boston to Seattle, is actually a place called Squim, Washington. Ever, anybody ever heard of Squim, Washington? Oh, we only had like two in the first service. That's amazing. S-E-Q-U-I-M. So it's in the northern part of Washington, just below Vancouver, uh, the water. Uh, I think it's the Puget Sound is the distance between the two. And I would transport, kind of the threshold was the airplane ride from one place, the kind of the ordinary life in my summer, to the extraordinary magical place in my grandparents' house. And when we pull up to the property, they had just built this nice home, and it reminded me of a large kind of cabin, and they'd have a farm in the back, uh, and it was just an amazing place. And here's why. Uh, they had lots of food, and as a young 12-year-old, right, food was really, really important. Uh, it didn't matter the kind, it was the volume of, right, or, or the regularity. So, I mean, I just, I had first breakfast, second breakfast, now I'm going to um, Lord of the Rings. We had, you know, first uh, lunch, second lunch. You, you get the picture, right? You get the picture, right? Okay. Um, I, I love food to this day. Volume is, uh, is my preference, though I like quality, so I digress grandparents' magical place because we'd have this incredible breakfast, and then grandfather would take me out into the yard, and we would play catch. So a neat thing about my grandfather is uh, he wanted to be a, a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals and turned down trying out at that time and actually went into the seminary. Um, so I wish I had been there for what that was like for him. But we'd go in the backyard, he got out his catcher's mitt, and he'd just make me pitch to him. And we just had a fabulous time where I just would pitch to my grandfather. And then my grandmother would come out and say, okay, boys, time for some lemonade. And a lemonade is amazing when the grandmother makes it, right? And then she says, hey, I want you to go pick some berries. So get on my bike and get down the road. And it was amazing. Again, magical, where I'd go along the side of the road, and I'd pick these blackberries, and I'd pick all kinds of different berries. Now, what I didn't know is that she was going to create this incredible dessert, whether it was on ice cream, again, with the food. She'd bake a pie. She'd do the cobbler. Uh, because at lunch, it was just amazing where we'd sit and we'd have conversation, safety around the table, and we'd talk about the Olympics, 1984, hosted in L.A., and so we would talk about the events around the table. And then in the afternoon, we'd go out to the leather shop in his workshop out back, and we'd make things that were leather, and he made me a wallet, and he made me a belt, and he made me a sling. And then grandfather would go down for his nap and I would be left playing with my sling. Never broke a window, actually got pretty good where it would stay actually shooting in front of me. Uh, just a, an amazing thing as a young kid. And then we'd go, to, we'd go to dinner. Did I mention that we had great food at this place? But it was about being around the table uh, and having a hot meal, and then she'd bring out the desserts, and then we'd play cards afterwards, and it was pinochle. Anybody ever played pinochle? It's not a 12-year-old boy's game, but... I, I think I developed my love for cards around that table and we'd just talk about the day and, and we'd laugh and then, of course, that dessert was so amazing because I'd want seconds after we, you know, after we did the cards and 
And then we'd go to bed and then we'd wake up and we'd do it all over again. And that was the summer. And it was a place where I felt like I belonged. It was a place that I had strength and confidence and security. It was a place that was actually for me like a little slice of heaven. Matter of fact, it had staying power in my life that when I would leave and go back to Boston to my ordinary life, I was able to carry the strength and confidence of what that was into my everyday life. So much so that today, just the memory of it actually wells up in me a sense of confidence and boldness. Just yesterday, sorry it's around food again, but I was at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and as I was heading to the restroom, I saw this grandmother that was standing outside the, the, the men's restroom. And I thought it was odd. And I said, well, is there somebody in there I can help you find? And she said, actually, I have a little grandson. And I went in and I said, yep, he's fine. And he, uh, he came out and, and it drew me back to my grandparents' place in Washington with my grandmother. And I, and I just, as I went into that restroom, I was feeling even more confident. As I came out, I mean, just confidence in my day. It had staying power. And it reminds me of Jesus when he says to his disciples, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then what's the next part? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And it just made me think of my grandparents' place was that little slice of heaven that felt like the kingdom had come because I'd felt secure and confident and there was a sense of belonging and it just seemed like all is well. And just being in that place gave staying power in my life. We all long for life is all is well. God actually tells us in the scriptures that he's written eternity in our hearts. There's a reason that you long for all is well. There's a reason that I long for all is well because we are made for it. We are actually made from it. And so the question in this threshold conversation today is how can we get access to heaven on earth? How does God's kingdom cross the threshold to where we live? How does where that is and what that represents become a reality of where I am today? Does that make sense? And the way in which we cross that threshold is we actually take responsibility to look at the life of Jesus. See, Jesus, when he came into the earth, he, he actually came to show us what the Father was like. That's what he tells us in John. And if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was constantly reframing the things that were going on in the earth. He reframed what family was. He reframed what money was. He reframed what leadership was. So think of family. His family was pressing in. They were trying to find him, and Jesus was having a meeting. And he said, I don't want to meet with them right now. Seemed kind of rude. But he said, who are my mothers and brothers and my sisters? They're the ones who do the will of my father. Completely redefines what family is. Or when, when uh, the tax collectors came to Jesus and said, hey, you need to pay money, he says, I'll give to Caesars what is Caesars. And then he said to one of his disciples, hey, I want you to go over to this fish and you'll find the money that we need to pay our taxes. How does that sound? Don't you wish you had that fish, right? I mean, Jesus was the greatest banker. He was the greatest uh, baker. He, he was the greatest leader. He was the greatest teacher. 
because he had this kingdom orientation and because that's where he's from and he actually came and he moved into the neighborhood and what he does is he, to this day he comes and he moves into our lives and he reminds us of what that kingdom is like so that it can be a reality in, our, in the earth. Now at this part of the conversation it's really easy to say well I don't know if that's true and I don't even know if that's true for me. So you could actually be antagonistic on the inside of you. Or you could just be resistant. Or maybe jaded where you've said, I've tried that before. That doesn't work. Or maybe you've just gone neutral. You know, just, yeah, whatever. Let be what be. Maybe there's something in you just curious that causes you to lean in. Or maybe, maybe there's a deep longing set within your heart to say, yes, I know that's for me. Or maybe you just say, you know what, that's a reality. I actually live that. So regardless of that, that posture, here's the deal. We can stop the kingdom from coming in the earth. Here's what I found is the way that Jesus actually says the kingdom can come into the earth is it's through prayer. And often what happens is, is when we pray and ask God for things, often we become the answer to our own prayer. So the way that the kingdom can come in the earth is God actually says, hey, you've been asking for that in your marriage, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in those relationships, in that situation. You're going to be the answer to that prayer. But here's how we actually can stop the kingdom of God coming into the earth, and it has to do with this threshold that God would want us to cross. Often we can feel powerless. We call that being a victim. And if we remain there, we won't cross the threshold of being a change agent to actually coming into the place where we uh, will be a difference maker. And so we can stay in a victim posture where we actually feel powerless. And I know that word victim is actually a loaded word. And I wanted to use it this morning actually to be a bit provocative, but not to be insensitive. Because I know for some, when we are victimized, we live in a broken world and victimization happens all the time. And for some of us, it may seem simple, but it's big to us. And for others of us, some atrocities may have happened to me or to my family. And it's so significant that it begins to trigger. So the intent today isn't to trigger that, but it's to call us out of a place of remaining the victim. And see, what happens is if we just remain the victim, we're robbed of being the difference maker. If we just remain the victim... We actually remain powerless. And so what the victim says is, this has been done to me and I have a right to remain in it and I have actually the right to be the judge and to bring the pain. I have actually the right to set the verdict. So the victim sits in the posture and often what happens for the victim is we take the pain of what's happening on inside of us and we push it to the outside and everybody else is to blame. Does that make sense? So let me just read you six signs, and this is just, this is just basic off of WebMD, where um, if we were to define a victim mentality, you feel powerless, unable to solve a problem or cope effectively with it. You tend to see your problems as catastrophes. You tend to think others are, are purposely trying to hurt you. You believe you're alone or targeted for mistreatment. You hold tightly to thoughts and feelings related to becoming a victim, and it's always somebody else's fault. And see, what God wants to do is he wants to move us from this posture of the victim where it's easy for us to cast blame. And see, what happens for the victim? The victim feels deep shame 
And shame says, I'm not enough. Shame says, I'm not enough. But also what happens is blame says, it's all your fault. Blame says, it's all your fault. So for instance, take a judge and a witness. You know a courtroom scene. You're familiar with a courtroom scene? You have a judge, you have a jury, you have lawyers. and you have. But if you have a judge and a witness, can you be both at the same time? Can you be a judge and a witness? No, you can't. Thank you. And, and what happens is, is we love to be the judge, to discern what is wrong and to make the declaration of what has been wrong and also to say this is the verdict and here's the penalty. But if we're not careful, we'll move from judge to jury to executioner where we're going to make sure that the penalty that needs to happen because I've been victimized, I have been taken from, and it is my responsibility to make sure that payment is rendered and maybe even on a continual basis. Versus what does a witness do? A witness actually just tells the story. They actually take an oath. They get on the stand and they say, I'm going to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And so the, the witness is to have only a bias for the truth and actually just share from my perspective, here is the story of the events as they unfolded and they give the data points of tastes and sights and smells and touches and location and time and dates and who was there and how things happened. That's what they're called to do. And so I can't sit in both places, judge and witness. And if I don't move from judge to witness, what will happen is, is I can live in a powerless victim state. And I won't be the, the, the difference maker that God actually calls me to be. You say, well, what's that connection between victim, judge, witness, the kingdom? Let, let's just pull it together in the final moments here. If a witness just gives testimony or tells this is how I have seen things and that is their job. The way in which we bring God's heaven into the earth and the way that we move from victim to difference maker is to become a witness of what the kingdom is like. And one of the ways in which we can do that is through prayer. It's by having a conversation with God. Prayer is simply me talking to God and God talking back to me. Now here's the reality. Prayer is not reserved for the spiritual elite, for the pastors, for the professionals. As we said when we began, we are hardwired to have a conversation with God. Did you know that you can process 450 words per minute? Some of you are fast talkers, but not that fast. Most conversations, at best, 150 words. That means I can process three conversations simultaneously. Now listen to this. Can have a conversation with God toward me. I can lean in to have a conversation with you and hear what's happening, and I can pay attention to what's going on inside of me. At a base level, I'm hardwired to have that conversation. Even as I'm talking right here, I'm having this conversation with God, sensing what's happening here and trying to offer what's coming off of my lips. You're hardwired. I'm hardwired to have a conversation with God. 
And so this morning, I just want to lead us in an exercise of actually having a conversation, whether you've done that before or you're a champion of it, to step in and have conversation with God. So what I find helpful in this is what I call a prayer picture. It's this mental image. We're all good at imagination. You, all, you, you, know, you thought of that mountain place and you thought of that, uh, that cabin or you, you, you thought of that magical place where you wanted to go. And, and so in your mind's eye, I want you just to envision a cabin, a cabin on a hill. That's been my prayer picture in this season where God says, hey, I'm in that cabin and if you want to come and be with me, we'll have a conversation. So again, about this cabin, it's set up on a hill a little bit. And for me, this cabin, it's not a creepy cabin, it's a cozy cabin. It's not a dark cabin, it's a warm cabin. And it's not musty and dusty inside, it's actually a place that's actually fresh and you want to be inside. And so in recent days, God's invited me to come into this cabin and have conversation with him. So as I, as I go up the steps and I open the door and I look in and you've got the fireplace and the chairs and there's actually this, um, this bench that had this, this nice, cozy, um, uh, like, pillow on it. And at the table were the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they invited me just to come sit on this bench and lay down and rest and listen to them have chatter. But I mean, I tell you what, I wanted to get to the table, see what they're chattering about and have conversation. So as I got over the table... One of the things that I felt like God said to me is, you're always welcome at this table. You can always talk to me about anything. Concerns in your life, your marriage, tell, things you want to tell me about your day, things that are going on at work, questions you might have, or you can just come be silent at the table. And I promise you, I will be lavish with you. So here's what's amazing about that for me is now it enables me to, in my mind's eye, have a place. If I want to talk to God, I can go to the cabin at any time and sit at the table and know that I belong. And here's what I like to do. I want to take a journey together into the cabin. Because I think today God actually would want to speak to each one of us, and he might even have a gift to give us in that cabin that might speak to the life that you're living right now. So before we go to the cabin, just let me, let me tell you this. The cabin represents the presence of God. And, and in this cabin, it's a place of belonging. Everyone is welcome. But you have to have the courage to cross the threshold. It's a place that you can come for rest. It's a place that you might be challenged. It's a place that God will give gifts. And those things that have might be taken from you because you've been a victim, God actually may want to restore in the cabin. Or it might be the place where you're hanging on to unforgiveness because you've been legitimately hurt and God challenges and says, no, you actually can be forgiven like my son. You can step into forgiving others. But it's a place where you belong. It's a place that is safe. It's a place where there's hope. It's a place where there's love. There's a place where there's, there's lift. It's not heavy. It's a place where you'll be met with a great, great welcome. And so if you will, I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes. It's just kind of a posture of prayer. And, and stand about 30 yards out and look up at this cabin. Don't know what your cabin looks like. Don't know what's going on outside. Could be snowing, could be raining, could be cold, could be crisp, could be sunny, could be fall, could be winter. And I want you to walk up the hill. Let's walk up the hill together. walk up the porch we're taking steps 
stand on the porch, look around, see what you see, feel what you feel. Push open that door. Take a look inside. Before you cross that threshold, know it's a safe place. It's a place you're welcome. Go ahead and press past that threshold. What do you see? Do you see a fireplace? You see some chairs? You see a table? You see the kitchen? What do you see? I just invite you, don't, don't be afraid right now. Step across that threshold. Step into the cabin. And go find a seat. It might be in front of the fireplace. It might be down on the floor. It might be on that bench I described. It might be at the table. No, don't, don't just stand. Take a seat. Settle in. So here's where, where, where God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they come over to you. They welcome you. They remind you that you're welcome here. And they've got a gift to give you this morning. And ask them, what gift do you have? Don't be surprised by what comes to your mind at this moment, but ask, what gift do you have for me this morning? You may see a spouse's face, you may see a friend, you may see a situation, maybe something fun, might be something hard. Don't dismiss it. Remember, God is good towards us and he's bringing that to your mind for a reason. Don't press it off. And the gift just may be that he wants you to step in greater love with that spouse or forgiveness of a child or confidence that he will provide. Now ask him, what, what do you want me to do with this gift? You already have a sense deep down in your knower what he's asking of you. I just encourage you just to say thank you for the gift. That's what we tell our kids. Make sure you say thank you. Say, God, thank you. You might even say, God, I'm really not sure what to do with this. That's okay. You can come back to the table at other times. So before we leave the table, before we leave the cabin, so I'm gonna just invite you to stay seated, but in, in the cabin, stand up. Let's walk back towards the door. And before we leave that place, cross the threshold and kind of come back to this place, just take note of the gift of the room, of how you felt, what was going on inside of you. All right, step across that threshold. Let's get out on the porch. I'd love for you just to open your eyes. That was just a guided prayer exercise. 
you're just talking to God. Let him talk to you. And for some of you, it might not have seen anything or felt anything. And that can be normal in a conversation of prayer. But have you ever been in somebody's presence where they said something and it significantly changed you? You ever had one of those conversations where they said something to you and it was so significant that you walked away and you were different? Now, not every time that we pray, it's that way. But often when we have this kind of encounter with God and he brings restoration to our souls away from the victim to a a difference maker, when we're in God's presence and we step back across the threshold into everyday life, God wants us to witness to what he said to us and then he wants us to make that a tangible reality in the earth. That's part of your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And I'm gonna testify to what I just heard and what you spoke to me and I'm gonna be like Jesus and I'm only gonna do that which I hear the Father saying and I'm gonna do that which I see the Father doing. It's part of how we are like Jesus in being different difference makers in the earth. See, as we witness God's kingdom in prayer, we can bring that into our everyday reality. And when we choose to cross this threshold from judge or victim to to a witness or decision maker, we make a different future. We make his uh, kingdom come a reality in our everyday life. So the question is, What will you do with that gift he's given you? Will you cross the threshold today to be a decision, excuse me, a a difference maker? Let me say it again. Will you cross the threshold today to be a difference maker? You can go back to that cabin and sit at the table, talk to God more, or you can use Dan's imagery where you can throw the ball and play catch with the father. Or you can come up with your own imagery to have a conversation with God to bring his kingdom into reality and be a difference maker. God is calling our city back to life in him. God is calling hearts, men and women, families and neighborhoods and workplaces in our time back to him. God is wanting his kingdom and all its goodness to be a reality in those places. And he does it through you and through me, not as victims underneath our circumstances, but as agents of change who walk across the threshold to make a difference with his kingdom come. And that is what I pray for us today. God, would you enable us today to continue to hear your voice? Would you continue to help us see your kingdom in a tangible way and then make it a reality in our everyday life through a conversation with you. We say thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.